Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hi, everybody. Good evening. Welcome back to Gary Morgan's Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Um, the Bucks straight got buried in Arizona by the Danger Noodles, and I'd say it was disappointing, even if half of me was totally expecting it. You know, <laughs> see, I just can't get past the feeling that bad teams tend to perform better against good teams than their fellow basement dwellers, you know? Um, No, I'm not saying they win more often against that type of competition, but maybe I should go with they look a little more professional. Um, Let's talk about this and a bit more, uh, some other bucko topics as we we get going here, but uh, we should welcome back our good friend, Jim Stamm. We're up in the 412, following Shelty's example and pulling his kid from T-ball games after an inning and a third. Say hello, Jim. Hey, Gary. Glad to be back. And um, yeah, uh, if I took the same route that Shelty did with um, my son's t-ball games, he would throw approximately six pitches, and then I would uh, pull him from that start. Got to protect those arms. It's so <laughs> crucial. I mean, to to everything. I mean, but you you watched that Arizona series, right? And you know we're we're coming. Unfortunately. Up- you know, we got the Giants series going on, and there's there's almost no doubt in my mind that we'll come out of the other end of that series feeling like they played the Giants tougher than they played the Diamondbacks. And I don't see that with every team. You know, for instance, Detroit's taking care of business over Texas right now. You know, it, it's not like every team experiences this, but I feel like when the Pirates get to those series, and we just saw it in Colorado as well, where they should make some hay, all of a sudden everything comes apart. What what is that? Is that just a pirate phenomenon, or is that a major league baseball phenomenon? You know, it it might be a sports phenomenon in a way. Um, I think you get a lot of things with um, professional. I know. Hey, look, they're professionals, and we tend to treat that as they don't get affected by. Um, down seasons or teams off to bad starts or things like that. But I mean, they're human beings. So I, I, I do think that when you get a team like, uh, and the pirates are a good example of this, that, um, you know, the seasons, it, it hasn't been an easy season. It, it was a, it was a terrible season last year. Yeah. And I think they tend to get up for those games um, because it, 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 it has a different feeling than the other type of games that they've been playing and just the, the drudgery a little bit of going through all these losing streaks. So I think that gives teams a shot in the arm when you play those guys. Yeah. It's like, it's their world series, right? It's, it's yeah. their, it's their big attempt to to put some kind of a statement on, on the game. We're not as bad as you think we are. We're hanging in there with you. Right. 
Right. And I then, mean, do you want do you want to play? You know, even in football, do you want to play a team on Monday Night Football at home, and they're um, four and eight on the season? And no, but got... we've seen an awful lot of bad <laughs> football teams make the playoffs because they beat inferior competition, right? That's true. Yeah. You know, it's so just, you watch they... a baseball team not be able to do that, you know, or underestimate mm-hmm. a, their competition. Like, for instance, Arizona may very well be worse than the Pirates. I can't say their offense has been. In fact, I think their offense is better than the Yankees right now, to be honest. Numbers yeah, they're their offense is decent actually yeah so when you look at it and you and you really think about their competition i mean they're out there playing the giants dodgers and padres in their division you know maybe arizona at the end of the day isn't as bad as the pirates um and and regardless of where the record lands that's that's probably a true statement right very very tough division um that the uh, Diamondbacks are in. And yeah, I looked last night just out of curiosity because, you know, you're watching these games and you're thinking, hey, the Diamondbacks offensively don't look too bad. I think there was probably 10 teams in baseball that they have scored more runs than. So, I mean, you're starting to get toward middle of the pack territory there. As bad as they are, they actually can score some runs. Yeah, I mean, and they've got, if you think about it, a whole bunch of Yinzers dream right out there. They got Madison Bumgartner is a guy that people in Pittsburgh would go nuts if we had somebody like that, right? That's a veteran pitcher. Boy, sure. And he, he might be their third best, I'd say. And uh, that's saying something. I mean, maybe he's focusing too much on rodeos, but, you know, it's <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like, it, they've got some some things that the Pirates would, would really enjoy having, some quality veterans and, and it's 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 stupefying to just watch them play down to competition the way they do come out of that Mets series and you expect them to maybe take a step forward by playing a a down team but man you just get smacked in the face with reality right away yeah and you you look at even and there's there's the other side of this the flip side to this is um that like the Mets series you know the Pirates looked really competent um, to the point where they could have easily won five of the seven, right? Yep. Um, so um, on the flip side of that is, you know, those guys are human too. And they were looking at the seven game series and boy, you saw it all over social media. This is a chance for the Mets to really, yeah. you know, get on a little bit of a run here and take five, six of seven from the Pirates. And, you know, do players pay attention to that? Probably not a ton. Is there something subconsciously that when you get in these types of series, um, baseball's a long haul, long a long summer, and do I think that teams kind of get in lulls and tend to do that against lesser teams? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, a team like the Mets, you know, I guess in a way they could afford to to maybe look down on the Pirates and almost overlook them a little bit and still come out of that series looking like they were in it most of the time the pirates can't afford to do that against anybody let alone a team that can hit like arizona so moral of the story is if you don't play every game like it's equally important and and you don't have the talent to overcome that you're going to see things like what we just witnessed in arizona and colorado a month ago and it's you know it can get it can get ugly 
very quickly too. Yes. And that's the last I want to talk about this Arizona series. And hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we repay them when they visit PNC park at some point. Um, I will say happily, they, they also swept the reds earlier in the year. So at least, you know, we're not alone and being the only ones that Arizona swept. So there's, there is a little bit of a silver lining there every time the reds lose anyway. So <laughs> let's go ahead and take a quick break and we come back. We're, we're going to jump into uh, everybody's favorite. Time. Welcome back uh, to the fan forum here. Uh, we're going to continue with the next subject, and I know it's a painful subject for some of you, but we're going to talk about Gregory Polanco because every once in a while, Greg steps up and shows us something in his bag of tricks that makes you just think of what could have been. Uh, this series against Arizona he blasted a home run. And I mean, like got every ounce of that baseball and you just see that raw power tool. And it almost brings a tear to your eye to, <laughs> to just think of what Gregory Polanco could have been. If he ever could have just put a couple of tools together. I mean, here we are this year, a team that boasts that they want to be aggressive on the base paths and they want to force the issue and they want to make the defense make, make plays. He's leading the team in stolen bases. He's 10 for 10. Nobody is even close to that. He's not anywhere near the fastest player on that team. And I mean, how many times have you heard that baby giraffe joke about the way he runs? I mean, yeah, he looks like he's out of control, but he knows what he's doing when he goes to steal bases. It's, it's an incredibly infuriating that, that here's a player that we're going to lose at the end of this year. And based on his skill sets alone, we should be devastated by that. Instead of that, I think most of us are going to feel pretty relieved that he's off of the, the roster. I mean, Jim, you've watched this team a long time. Gregory Polanco has been supposed to be good for such a long time. What has gone on with him? It's it's not just the injury. I know people love that cop out, but it's not that alone. No, um, and that's what I was just going to say to you was you know that's that's probably the most deflating thing about this season in general with him is is that he appears to be quite healthy, and you know um, I think you can see that with what you just referenced is with the, with the stolen bases. I mean, he, he's running well. Um, you know, you're always used to be worried about him with the hamstring and whatnot. Um, he's had the hip issue a little bit this year, but for the most part, he's been really, he's been, he's been really healthy. And um, I think that's the thing that kind of is ironic is if you would have asked people before the year, uh, if we're sitting on July 22nd, and Polanco has 10 home runs and leads the Pirates in stolen bases, uh, would you take that? <laughs> and it would be a resounding yes. As long as you um, don't talk about batting average, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as long as you don't talk about batting average and strikeouts and his, even his – I mean, he's got a negative war on the year even. So, I, 
uh, it's just such a but doesn't that sum him up perfectly how frustrating he is oh it for, really does for his career it really does it's it's maddening because you know even i, I was listening to uh dk's daily shot uh the other day and he was talking about polanco you know you know everybody recognizes what he's doing uh with his arm he doesn't have it anymore right and no it's certainly weaker yeah and they know they can they can take advantage of it but every once in a while maybe once a week he'll uncork a throw and you're just like where did that come from where has that been like how can you how can we give you credit that your arm is tore up and then watch you uncork a throw like that, that, that holds a runner at first inexplicably, it just comes out of nowhere. It, it, it's just, it's frightening to, to think of the, of the tolls that that young man has had and, and you couldn't ask for a better teammate. I mean, he's, he's a great person. And, and you love watching him play, and you love the enthusiasm he plays with. His teammates love having him around. The smile's infectious. There's so many intangibles with him. And he just has never been able to put even two of those skill sets together. If he had, I'm t- I'm, we'd all be devastated that they would even think of, of cutting him next year. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and it's, it's so it's beyond obvious at this point what's going to happen. Right. I mean, Oh yeah. They're going to, uh, they're going to use the $3 million. They're going to buy him out. And um, he's going to really be at a crossroads at this point. Right. Uh, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, next year it'd be really interesting to see where he'll land. It'll be interesting to see if he can get any type of guaranteed uh, contract going into spring training. Um, because that's, that's uh that's just where he's at right now. And it's a shame because like you said, the tools have always been there. He has just rarely, if ever put them all together. And, um, you know, it's, it's going to be looked back on as, uh, they paid him a lot of money and it just didn't really work out. Like I think they hoped it would. I mean, what, what actually happened with him? I mean, if you think back to, to history, you know, he came up, he looked like a ball of fire when he came up. He did. I think you I think his first eight games he had a hit, right? I mean, and he and he was tearing it up. He's running all over the place. He's playing good defense. He he's stealing bases. He's hitting for extra bases. The guy just looked like lightning. I mean, absolutely. Everybody thought this was like the next big thing. I mean, we were more excited about Polanco than Marte, you know, for, for a good long while there. Right. I mean, I think there was even a period of time where people were more excited about his potential than Kutch. And it's just when you when you think about what happened with him, he came up really young. I think he was 21. It, it almost seems like you want to say they rushed him to the majors, but the, the his body type, his size, the and, and what he did in his first year, it's very consistent with being ready for the major leagues. It was time to get to this level and try it, right? But you know, you watch a player like O'Neill Cruz, I feel like that body type is very similar. I think he could fill out almost the same way, right? He's almost got the same kind of issues. Big big hole in his swing, big long swing. He's starting to shorten it up right now. They're they're working on it, but that's your biggest fear with a player like that, too. 
So how do you avoid the same mistakes with another player like that? I, I'll, I'll tell you, as, as before you mentioned Cruz's name, it's exactly what I, it's exactly where I was going and exactly what I was thinking, which is it's such a, it's such a tricky balance for when you want to bring these guys up and let them permanently stay and think if they can, they can fight through it when the league starts figuring them out a little bit. Um, you know, I, I don't know if this new regime is going to pay attention to any of that. Um, if they feel Cruz is ready, the, uh, they weren't certainly here when Polanco was drafted and brought up through. So maybe that's not their concern. They're just going to trust their eyes and their scouts and what they're telling them. But I, I worry about Cruz for the same reasons. And I do think they are cautionary tales. I mean, he's obviously taken, you know, a, a quick hook promotion off the table with his injury this year. Um, and maybe think, that's a blessing in disguise uh, in a weird way. I don't know. No, maybe it is. I mean, certainly because they, they were just starting to mess with him in the outfield a little bit. Um, and that was mostly during batting practice. So it's not as though they'd gotten too far down, down the rabbit hole with that. But, you know, I thought he was borderline starting in AAA this year and they decided to start him in double A. So, you know, I, I would think next year triple A is a lock for, for a guy like that. But you can't start him as the shortstop, right? I mean they have to <laughs> they have to figure this out before before we get to that point. Or do they just leave him there and we all cross our fingers and pray there's a DH? You know, I I don't see um I don't see Cruz sticking it short. Um some people are just so adamantly caught up in that. And I get it. He's got a great arm and you don't want to waste that arm, but you know what? As long as he hits, I don't care what his arms like really (laughs) when it comes down to it. It's true. So that's what, that's what I'm concerned about. If he ends up sticking it short in the long run. Great. I don't expect that to happen. I just want the kid to hit and be successful. And it's probably a good thing right now that uh, the Pirates aren't in a position where they're trying to compete right now because you don't want any of that kind of clouding your judgment or feeling like maybe you've got to rush somebody. They've got time with him. And and, and, and in this instance, that's a good thing. Yeah, he is still a kid. It's not like he's, uh, you know, rotting down there or anything. Right. It's just... I think the hype on the hype train on Cruz got so amped. It made me think of, of Gregory because that I remember the environment right before he came up. It, it was very much so the same type of thing. People wanted to see him. He's such a specimen, you know, everybody wanted to get eyes on him and fancied him destroying the league, you know? Yeah. Um, you, you, you look at how they, you look at both of them when they do make contact and the ball goes, um, uh, country mile. Um, it looks beautiful. Um, but can you do it consistently enough? Both of them are big, tall, kind of lanky guys. It's kind of like a golf swing in a way where that's a lot, that's a lot of, uh, top to bottom to keep in sync and timing and everything like that. So when it looks, when it looks beautiful, it looks beautiful, but, um, he, he's still got, he's still raw. He's still got a ways to go in my opinion. I mean, here's the scary thing for the Pirates, too, because I I think 
I think you're dead on. I think they're going to exercise that that option to get out of his contract and um, send him on his merry way. And and I think we all agree with that. But there's a very real possibility he's going to end this season second on the team in home runs, first on the team in, in stolen bases, right? Yeah. I mean, he, it's almost the perfect ending. In a, in, yeah. a, in a tragic sort of way. <laughs> it's it's funny because, you know, out of everybody on the team, I'm not sure I would have picked Brian Reynolds to be the one that's going to pace them in home runs. I, I would have definitely gone with Colin Morant. Yeah. But even before the injuries, Colin had slowed down on on home runs. He, he was approaching things much differently at the plate, almost taking his own power away in an effort to not strike out. So when you have a player like coming up like a Mason Martin, for instance, you know, everybody's very worried about his strikeout rate. And, and I am too. It, it's higher than I'd like to see. But as you promote him through the system, let's say that he can't get that strikeout rate under control, but he's still going to hit 30 bombs. Is there not a place for that on a team? Well, certainly in today's game there is. I mean, um, I think 10, 15, 20 years ago, those guys don't end up making it. Um, but unless you know, they play for Detroit, but yeah, yeah. Unless, unless you're Rob Deer, unless you're Mickey Tettleton, right? Yeah, yeah, you hit 32 bombs and hit 206. I mean, yeah, um, to, in today's game, things are measured a little differently. Um, the Pirates certainly need the, the infusion of, of power, and um, yeah, so today it could work he's still got to cut things down but like we just we just left arizona where escobar's got 22 home runs he's batting like 240 you know i mean that's it's that's, still hard to look at though for me i don't maybe it's just because i'm old it's hard to and... look at it is i agree with you completely if it's not it doesn't fit my my old school ideal of this is a great player right right but if polanco had like right now say 20 home runs and the exact same batting average he'd be for me a lot more difficult to say it's a lock they're gonna cut him next year and as much as i hear people constantly say that he should be dfa'd right now i just don't know how you look at this team and and do that right now i just don't and I keep hearing John Nagowski is going to go out and play right field after Colin Moran comes back. And a legend. I, well, I have to remind people that John Nagowski has, I think, about something like 64 total innings in the outfield ever. So, yeah, he might go. But I've, I've also watched him run from first to second. I worry about him covering anything out there in right field you know brian reynolds is fast but i don't want brian reynolds to have to play center and right i there's just some concerns there for me at least blanco can get to the ball most of the time yeah i think that the the thing about Polanco right now is certainly against right-handed pitching it, it doesn't hurt to still have him in the lineup now, when there is a lefty on the mound, I, he's, he's almost to the point from that side of the plate when he's facing a lefty that um, now there I want someone else in there just because I, 
I mean, we're we're past the point where he looks like he he can be a productive hitter against a left hander, let alone a right hander at right. this point. So, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Also, I'm not gonna spend a whole lot of time getting sweaty about making sure John Nagowski has a place to play when when Moran comes back. I played this game already with Philip Evans in like week three, <laughs> and you know it turns out um, I don't want Philip Evans to play. So I mean, things things I, have a funny way of sorting themselves out in baseball. Yeah, um, I mean, I could I could wind up feeling the same thing about uh, John Nagowski. I mean despite our campaign to get a butter sculpture made of the man, because the, <laughs> I think it's time Pittsburgh. It's time for John Nagowski to be honored properly. So I think we're going to wrap up talking about Polanco. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about development and when it really ends. back to the show and we're gonna pick up the conversation where we left off a little bit we're gonna dive into um really something i think we can expect to see for the next couple seasons is a lot of young players coming up a lot of rookies you know i was watching max Cranick pitch the other day and you know he's definitely got more than i thought he did in the velocity territory but you can just tell he he lacks that put away pitch right now right well this is very common of of rookie performances you know even what we saw from jt brubaker the other day um they hit a wall almost sometimes it's fatigue sometimes it's sometimes it's more about the league figuring them out sometimes it's it's just something they never managed to develop their entire trip through the minors and once they hit the majors you start to realize oh yeah i i kind of do need that skill that they kept telling me i needed but got away without having and i just think it's it's an important conversation for us to have today jim is when when rookies come up you can't expect them to all jump in and be ronald acuna you know, you can't expect them all to come up here and be Brian Reynolds. You have to understand that they're going to take a step back sometimes. They're going to hit a wall like Cabrian Hayes is right now. I mean, when you watch a rookie, what do you expect from them? Ups and downs. Doing well, and then all of a sudden looking like you've never played baseball before. Um, it's just that's it's a humbling game. And like you said, unless you're the Ken Griffey Juniors of the world and the Tatises of the world, um, it's going to look rough at times. It makes the best of ball players look bad at times. So to have this expectation of rookies that they're just going to come in, hit the ground running, and um, you know, just you're 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 never going to see the league punch back. It's just, it's unrealistic. And I think it's, it is a good time to talk about this because we're going to be seeing a lot of this yeah, in the right. next couple of years, you know, and um, it's just good to be able to set the expectations where they need to be, because otherwise you're going to be disappointed, even in some of the better prospects, because there's going to be times whenever it's going to look a little rough. 
I mean, sometimes the rookies themselves set those expectations, right? Like Rodolfo Castro comes up here and his first three hits are home runs, right? I mean, okay, so everybody has visions of power hitter dancing in their heads, right? And he does have incredible power. He really does. It's raw. He still needs to work on some things. But and, and he'll benefit from going back to the minors. I, I do believe that. I don't think he was sent down there to be vindictive or they were being stupid. I think he does have to work on some things with his game. And they definitely want to start moving him into some other positions, get him a little more familiar with the outfield, things like that. His game needs a little bit of work, you know. But he hits those three home runs and everyone's just like, oh, this is the next guy. He's ready. He's ready. Right. You know, and you know, I'm huge on Rodolfo Castro. So, right. I mean, if I'm tempering expectations, you should probably understand it's pretty, pretty good tack to take here when, when you're looking at a young guy developing. It's like Mitch Keller, you know, he was a rookie last year. You know, he came back from injury, had those couple really, really nice starts toward the end. At least they were really, really nice if you didn't watch them, because if you watch them, you realize that he walked half the team in order to, <laughs> to get to the guys that he could get out with the stuff. Right. So while he was out there throwing six inning, no hitters, he was also loading the bases two or three times during that process. And so you realized he needed a little bit of work. He came out this year. He's flat. The fastball has no movement. He has no control on his, on his curveball and everything. That's a difference between a guy that's up here and learning lessons and a guy who is just out there doing the exact same thing over and over again and not showing any progress. So you can watch JT Brubaker get hit around the other day and you can think, okay, he's taking a step back. I look at JT Brubaker getting hit around the other day and I'm thinking to myself, okay, he knows this is happening now. I want to start seeing how he punches back. I want to start seeing his slider start on the plate and finish off. I want to start seeing that fastball that tails up a little bit. I want it to tail up and in a little bit. Those are little tweaks that he's going to need to introduce in order to push back at the league that's now waiting for him knowing he's going to pound the strike zone, right? Yeah. You, as long as you, I'm seeing progress, I'm happy. Yeah, it's it's not about – I mean, we are so – look, at the end of the day, it, it is about results. But we get very caught up in that game to game. And I think sometimes you need to look at the bigger picture. And you you take a guy like Brubaker, and this is really his first big full workhorse type of season that that he's going through. And you know as workhorse as the pirates will allow it to be anyway. (laughs) Yes, yes. And maybe with him it's smart that they dial him back a little bit down the stretch. Um given given things but um so that's part of the learning curve too right i mean trying to navigate um 20 25 starts something like that along those lines um teams have gotten a look at him and i agree with you i i think yeah it's been a rocky road and it's been bumpy for uh him lately but this is just part of the process and we're going to see this time and time again. 
Now he'll either figure it out and I think he will, or he won't. And then that's when we get back into the whole Keller situation when guys do start to plateau or they're not getting it. And that's whenever things slow down. So I think that's for me, that's the distinction right there. If I still see, if I still see JT Brubaker trying to do something different in each start, like I, I truly do right now, I'm feel good about what he's doing because I can tell he's working on things. He's trying to progress. He's trying to attack people in a different way. What I didn't like is when I saw the same thing with, with Mitch Keller, I saw him come out and do the same thing, just try to do it better. Right. Yeah. Right. So, you know, he, he, instead of, instead of moving the high fastball, he just tried to throw it harder instead of placing the curveball. He just tried to break it off sharper. Right. It, it's a huge distinction. Yeah. And it's very difficult to, to just watch that and, and understand that there's a difference between stink and trying not to stink, you know, <laughs> it's a difficult thing to, for, for players. And I'd say it affects the mound more than anywhere. Max Granite. Max Granite's another great that. example. I was just going to say that, man, pitchers, they think they, they know how to get guys out. And by the time they learn at the major league level, how to do it, they have learned 50 new ways to do it and getting through starts that they don't have two of their three pitches working, but they're, they're finding ways to do it. There's an art form to that. And um, you know, it's something that takes time. Like Max Kranich comes up, he, he faces the Cardinals, the Cardinals at the time and, and really most of this season weren't hitting. So okay, there's a check mark in Max's box, right? Nobody scouted him. I mean, they have notes on him, I'm sure. Sure, like, they have they, some stats. and they, they know what he does. They Oh, he's got a 95-plus fastball. He likes to throw it up in the zone. He, he, he can snap off a curveball here and there. But, you know, so they understand what he has, but they still haven't seen him. You know, they don't have a whole lot of tape on him. They're – no, there's like Tyler O'Neill doesn't remember his one at bat he had against him in double A two years ago. You know what I mean? Like, All right. So when, when you're facing that lineup, he comes out there and he does what many rookies never do. He just starts filling the zone strike after strike after strike. I mean, he was throwing, I think he had almost 70% strikes his first outing in that five perfect innings, right? Uh, I think it was that high. So that's insane. I mean, you're not going to hit that all the time, but the Cardinals didn't know what to do with it. Rain comes, he exits the game before we really got to see how, how far he could take his masterpiece. Right. Uh And, and the crowd goes wild. We want max up here all the time. Pirates sent him back. Apparently he already knew that was going to happen. Right. So max is down and he gets touched up in his first game back in triple a right now everyone ignores it because he still should be up here so they just assume he's bitter or something right he comes up here he gets hit he gets hit there's a little bit of tape on him he came out what did he try to do slam the zone again got hit he's, he's gonna have to learn how to pitch instead of throw it's part of the process this all happens 
I heard a guy on Twitter last night. He goes, oh, you all thought Max was the second coming of Sandy Koufax. And look at him. He's trash. It's his third start, sir. (laughs) His third start. So, you know, so I, I, of course, fire back Sandy Koufax's rookie numbers where he had an ERA of 444 and, you know, an under 500 win-loss record. (laughs) You know, I think he gave up almost as many hits as he had innings pitched. Uh huh. People forget this stuff. Did he Everybody's even bother been... to? Did he even bother to respond to that? Not at all. No, but, of course not. But every pitcher, every player has been a rookie. You well, know? look. Yeah, like even I want to. I want to even bring it back to Brian Reynolds real quick, right? So he had that 2019 rookie season, and it was fantastic. And we see what he is this year. But. He had a he had a hiccup last year. I mean, and yeah, we can we can talk about pandemic and we can talk about personal, you know, um, I think he was also having a child and things of that nature that tend to, you know, people tend to work into things about why they might not per- be producing and whatnot. But the league adjusted to Brian Reynolds and it was up to him to start punching back this year. And he's still trying as good as he is, he's still got some issues that he's trying to work through as far as things that are down and are up and in and under his hands. He's still working through that stuff. Yeah. So it's just a reminder of no matter how good a guy is, unless you're talking just freak show ability, there's going to be ups and downs. Without even like getting into 2020, because, you know, I do personally think a guy like him uh, has a, a cold start normally he would have the entire season to kind of rebuild himself and and get himself back to where he feels good. There was no adjustment period last year. It's all or nothing. You either started hot and and finished okay, or you started cold and your numbers never recovered. Right. But everybody formed an opinion based on 2019 of what he was. He was never going to hit more than how many home runs, 10, 15, right? Yeah. Right. He was never gonna he was never gonna be like a, a power threat at all. He he probably should be a number two hitter. I even said he was a number two hitter, right? But here he is hitting a number three. He should be hitting number three. He, you know, you could argue with modern baseball, he really should be the number two hitter because that's where you stick your best hitter, right? But he he's shown you one way or another that his rookie season is not representative of the the product he would become this year is probably not even yet a reflection of what he can become there yeah like i said he's still trying i mean he still has he still is working on things and and that's this that's just the nature of the game it's always going to be there for guys they're always going to try to attack your weaknesses yeah so when you watch a rookie i guess the moral of the story is you can't just watch a start or two and decide that, you know, what this pitcher is going to be. You can't just watch, you know, 10 to 15 at bats and decide this guy's a waste. You know, that's it, doesn't why, work. it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't, but that's why Twitter is going to be in social media is going to be fantastic the next couple of years because we are going <laughs> to we are going to see 
takes that are all over the place and they're going to be quick and rapid fire and that's just not the way baseball works but man right it's but be enough about the fan let's talk <laughs> 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 no i mean like in all sincerity though i the the quick take nature and baseball they just don't jive together Ooh, oil and water well it's just not how baseball works i mean baseball is is about averages at its core it's about averages and anybody can tell you that an average means nothing until you've had enough plot points to actually formulate <laughs> something right so it's like yep. if you watch early season baseball you watch like the first month of the season right you don't start seeing averages for players listed in under their under their totals for three four weeks you see like uh six for 12 or because they don't want to put up there that um, somebody is 500 because that gives you the viewer an expectation that half the time this guy's going to get a hit and he may very well have done that for two weeks, but even the people that work for the team don't want you to think that because it's just such an unhealthy and unrealistic expectation. So they, they don't, they won't even show you that. For the first month of a season, you'll see sometimes like that, where they hide the averages as best they can, or they'll go back and they'll go, hey, um, they Joe block it. And they'll say, oh, you're in his last 20 at bats, he's, you know, got 10 hits. And they'll ignore the fact that in his first 20, he had one, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it's just, it's the way they, they tend to present it at the beginning of the season, because that average doesn't mean anything until you've put some time in right we've seen guys have terrible halves of seasons and still come out by the end of it looking like they had a pretty decent year so i mean we're talking 162 games five six hundred plate appearances and for these rookies that are coming up for the pirates and and there's going to be a lot of them um i would just say as much as this as much as you have to fight against this urge, you've got to be patient and you've got to let these guys try to figure things out because there's going to be a lot of peaks and valleys and some of them aren't going to make it. Most of them probably won't, but that's baseball. Tremendous point. You just brought up too, because it works both ways. Like we should all remember Jeff Locke and James McDonald, right? (laughs) I mean, well, outstanding first halves. Yeah. Right. And then completely fell off the cliff. And now did they hit like rookie walls? Did they, you know, like what happened to them? Did they just get overused? Did they get overexposed? Did the league catch on to them? Did one of their arms start to fall off? You know, James McDonald never emerged again. Jeff Locke went on to have a middling pirate career. But I mean, you just don't know what a player is going to be until they've had an ample opportunity to show you. Like I, I think I was just saying the other day, Richard Rodriguez is another good example. Here's a guy that was picked up off the waiver wire, came over here in 2018, looked like hot garbage, gave up so many home runs that I can't think of anybody didn't want him cut. Right? Pirates held on to him. Hey, another, yeah, he looked he looked terrible. Yeah, another moron move by Neil Huntington, right? The last year, somehow, 
Derek Shelton sees something in him and goes, hey, he's going to be our closer. Now, I'm thinking, okay, last resort. I get it. Last resort, that's all that was left. Keone Kelly couldn't play. Kyle Crick was being Kyle Crick. You know, they, they had no alternatives. I mean, I guess they could have gone with Neveroskis. But they, they, <laughs> <laughs> but they decide to throw Richard Rodriguez back there. I'd rather never... Sudden, I'd rather never remember that name again, Gary, but go ahead. <laughs> well, but, but all of a sudden he catches fire. He's got one pitch. For some reason, nobody can hit it. Nobody understands it. I don't even think scouts understand it. In fact, I think the trade market's going to show us this year that nobody else understands it. That's but, the fear. But there he is, and, and he's handling the back end of the bullpen for the most part. He's not giving up nearly as many home runs. He's taking care of business, right? You didn't know that was going to happen in 2018. You thought they just picked up a scrub. You wanted him cut. He was giving up home runs. So chill maybe on some of the other players that are doing the same kind of thing. You know, like we're, we watched Dwayne Underwood, I think, perform really, really well for the first two months of the season. He did, actually. And now he looks brutal. And I mean, like, he's not just having bad results. He's given up laser beams, laser beam after laser beam, sometimes four or five swings in a row. I mean, there's a guy that probably needs a good, healthy break, right? Yeah. I, look, th- this is what, and here's the thing when you've got, when you're taking chances on some of these guys, you're going to have rookies come up like Castro and whatnot. You just, as a, especially with the pirates and the, and, and the situation they're in, there's just no rush. The, the, this is not a team that is close to competing for any type of playoff scenarios. And this is the time to figure it out. And this is the time to bring guys along and let them learn. And we're going to just see more and more of it. So I, I feel like I'm just screaming into the abyss uh, because it'll be disregarded, <laughs> but Listen, it, it, this is the reality, and this is the next couple of years for the Pirates, so get used to it because you're going to need some blood pressure med- medication otherwise. But I, I mean, the, the moral of this entire segment really is it, I, I think it's a cautionary tale when you start talking about uh, when the window opens, you know, because people love to throw out the, the ETAs on all these prospects and, oh yeah, they could all be here in 2022, 2023, 2024, whatever year you want to call out. And yeah, they, you're right. They all could get here by then. That's, that's what major league scouts think could happen. Okay. I get it. And timing wise. Sure. It makes a lot of sense. Um, Let's get over the hurdle of them actually getting here. Let's say they have smooth travels, injury-free, steady progression. They're learning things. They get up to the league. You cannot expect Nick Gonzalez to come up here and light this league on fire. You just can't. If he does, great. I mean, great. <laughs> but let's. it just doesn't happen for everybody. He could come up here and he could do really, really well for two months. And then he could go into a deep, dark hole, almost to the point where they have to send him back. That's a very real possibility, even for a number one pick. That's the reality of, of development in baseball. Major leagues are a big jump from AAA. 
And you have to understand that. If you go into it expecting Luis Robert, (laughs) believe me, the White Sox were surprised by Luis Robert. They invited him to spring training. They didn't invite him to spring training thinking he was going to make the team. The White Sox got surprised last year a lot, I think, by how uh, quickly things came together and how good things looked. And that's not always, that's rarely how it happens. And even there's been some speed bumps. So, you know, uh, if, if that, if, if team, if fans want to look toward a team like the White Sox, great, but it look a little closer and you might see some things there that would um, tip you off too. Let's just hope the Pirates don't get surprised like Jeremy and Mercedes did the other day. <laughs> yeah, no, let's let's avoid that. You ever seen anything like that? I've never no. seen that. I mean, just in no. case you you all aren't aware, here's a guy that was really, really doing well for the White Sox early on in the season with the bat. They ended up demoting him to AAA. He's, he's basically a catcher that can't catch. He's a good hitter. Uh, they demoted him to AAA. He's doing well. He's hitting over 300, and he just up and quit. <laughs> like nobody understands what happened yet. I'm sure that story will come out, but he just quit. Well, you know what? It's nice for that to happen to somebody other than the Pirates. So it's um, nice for it to happen before the bloggers won and ended up having him packaged as part of the Adam Frazier deal, right? <laughs> so. Yes. Yes. But you got to think. Don't need, we don't need him retiring as soon as uh, the trade's completed. Absolutely not. That would be worst case scenario by far. <laughs> so, well, hey, Jim, great talk this week. And yeah, uh, man. I, I really uh, I love talking about all these different subjects because the one beautiful thing about baseball is even when your team's doing bad, you can always just separate yourself from it and talk about five years down the road if you like instead. <laughs> Sometimes that's all you got, Gary. Yep, that's kind of what we did today. So on that note, how do people get a hold of you if they'd like to, Jim? Well, listen, man, if you want to reach me, I'm on Twitter uh, pretty much constantly. So I don't know what that says about me, but uh, it is at JimStam22 or for the city underscore 412. Uh, Steelers, Pirates, Penguins, Pitt Panthers, Pittsburgh all the time. And uh, give me a follow and I'll follow back or um, just give me a shout out. And I love to chat sports. I mean, I completely agree. Jump on Twitter. Tell Jim if he doesn't stretch Ben out at all, he's he's not (laughs) going to have any kind of career. He's going to doom him to be a reliever in the future. (laughs) And uh, if you want to get a hold of me, uh, hit me up on Twitter at GaryMO2007. This this podcast comes out every Saturday. Enjoy that. Listen to all the shows on uh, DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Uh, we're really trying to give you guys some good content here, and I, I hope you're enjoying everything. Have a nice week, everybody, and let's go, Bucks. Bye.